also Vision Sunday. The mission of Orchard Hill Church is real clear, helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And as the three of us leaders sat in a room and talked about that, we were saying, like, what's, the, what's under that? What's, what, what's the picture under that that we want to bring this fall? And what we decided on is that um, the core of what we do here to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ, the core of what we do day in and day out is to help people encounter Jesus. And people who encounter Jesus, whether they're on a caravan trip or at a baptism service or in a worship service or even like out mowing the grass, when you encounter Jesus and you have an open heart and you're ready to follow, your life changes. So a huge part of what this church is about is helping people encounter Jesus because he's the one who saves us. He's the one for whom our sins are forgiven. He's the one. So the central core of this mission is that our job is to help people, whether they're children or older adults, whether they're professionals or college students, our prime job is to help them like connect with Jesus. And uh, whenever people in the Bible encountered Jesus and had an open heart and were willing to follow him, their lives changed. I'm going to bring two of those people this morning. Uh, the first one is chapter 4 of John, and it's uh, called The Woman at the Well, The Samaritan Woman at the Well. And let me just tell you a little bit of the story. She's far from God. She's a victim of her circumstances. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. She's viewed in that culture as mere property. She's just a piece of property that the men own. And she has been traded off to five different husbands. She's been traded off to five different husbands. And actually, the man who has her now is not even her husband. And she comes to the well when the other more reputable, righteous women aren't going to be there. She comes in the middle of the day. And um, it's just her and Jesus. And she comes to the well feeling broken and abused and downhearted and without hope. And now I want you to listen, John 4. Listen to how the encounter with Jesus goes. So important. Jesus is sitting on the well and she wanders in. And Jesus says, Will you give me a drink? And this woman replies with these words, You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. How is it you can ask me for a drink? It's like she's saying, Hey, you know the rules. Men don't speak to women. Jews don't value Samaritans. Rabbis don't visit with women like me. And she's saying, What's the deal? And here's Jesus' answer. If you knew the gift of God... And who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked, him, asked me and I would have given you living water. Now a lot of you know we had the Global Leadership Summit here a week ago. And there was this guy in the summit called Joseph Grenny. And he talked about crucial conversations that we all need to have. And one of those, and he said crucial conversations are conversations that have a disproportionate influence on your life. And he said if you think about your life, you'll realize you've had some of these. It's like you're going one way and then there's a conversation and it's like you wake up and you go another way. He calls that a crucial conversation. And what happens here is Jesus moves from asking for a drink into a crucial conversation that's going to change this woman's life forever. Jesus has gone deeper. This is no longer about a drink. It's about her soul and all of eternity. So then Jesus says to her, go get your husband. And she says, well, 
I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're so right. And then he discloses what he knows about her. You've had five husbands. The man you're with right now isn't even your husband. You've said the truth. And then the woman says what? Hey, where should we worship? You know, the Jews believe up here. We believe down there. Where should we worship? And then Jesus says this. He closes this crucial conversation with his words. She says, hey, I know there's a Messiah coming for the Jews. And then Jesus says this. I who speak to you am he. I'm that Messiah. And she looks into his eyes and she sees the love of God for a sinner lost in shame and guilt. And she feels something. She feels love. She feels respected. She feels understood. She feels listened to. She feels valued. This encounter with Jesus totally reshapes her life. Why? Because her heart is open. Because she's willing to take a step towards Jesus. Her whole life is turned around. It changes this woman who just a few minutes before was far from God. And now she's got an open heart to God and Jesus. It changes the direction of her whole life. 13 verses later, we have this on the slide. Look at this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So this woman, unrespected, unlistened to, abused, goes back into town and says, I met a man. Changes. Then three verses later, it says this. They said to the woman, these are the people from town, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. One life changed, changes others. That's the mission of Orchard. One life changes and then we leave here and we go into our homes and our neighborhoods and our workplaces and over time, Other lives change for Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, we had the summit again. I want to tell one more story. We had a guy named Tyler Perry. And Tyler is a a filmmaker, an actor, a philanthropist. Many of you would know him. I didn't know him when I saw him on this. I didn't know. And the youth directors here were going, you don't know who Tyler Perry is? Uh, But they all knew all of his movies and all that. So in an interview with him during the summit... Um, it came out that his dad was a mean alcoholic and every Friday night after he got his money, he would come home and be cheerful for a while. Then he would take his money to the bar and he would come home and beat his mom and Tyler. He just beat him. And then on Sunday morning, his mom would uh, get Tyler up and they would go to this black church where his mom sang in the choir. And so Bill Hybels uh, said, asked this question at the summit. Well, how did that go for you? getting beat up every Friday night and then every Sunday morning going to church. And I think Bill thought there was going to be some kind of an answer. And uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler's answer went like this. I watch my mom sing in the choir and worship God with great joy and hope and enthusiasm week after week. Someone gave her hope and joy even though I knew her misery and pain. And as I watched her in that choir, truly joyful week after week, I wanted to know the God who did that for my mom. It hasn't been easy or smooth or perfect, but today Tyler Perry is a follower of Christ. Because his mom, even in pain, found joy in Christ. A changed life. You know, we have changed lives in our bodies here. Um, we, we, there's five or six or ten stories I could invite up here right in this moment to tell you a story of changed life. 
And so I'm going to invite one up, uh, Valda. Valda, come on up here. Um, uh, Bring your mic. Do you have your mic here? You will notice that Velda is one of our worship leaders, led us in a song a little bit ago, and I want to pull back the curtain on your life just a minute, Velda. So come on over here. Uh, It's okay if you look at me. The band was teasing me backstage saying she would be more comfortable if we sang this. But I said, well, you haven't heard me sing. Velda, uh, I want to ask a couple questions of you. And the first one is, I met you first when you were a soccer student on the soccer team at Longfellow uh, School. What do you remember from those days? Soccer days. It was tough. I was goalie constantly. <laughs> and that's not really the easiest position to play. Yeah. But either way it went, I still loved it because I was part of something bigger. Okay. So you're in elementary school, and you're on the soccer team, and you're the goalie, and you loved being a part of something bigger. And actually, you also got to meet some people from our church who were coaching and stuff. Yep, I got, <laughs> we had like seven coaches for the one team, and one was Mary Beth Boltz, and a few others who I forget names, yep, sorry. Yep. But it was fun to be able to have that backup story. Yep. And like those people to be there for you and just like give you that motivation to move forward, whether it was a different position on the team or just a different choice to do in life. Yep. Yeah, excellent. Now, uh, months ago, uh, we found out you sing, and you know, and you lead worship, and you worship. Uh, and Tim had an audition with you. Say a word about your audition to music and then your first time of leading. Say a word about that. Well, the audition, at first, my first thought was nervousness because it was different. It was my first time ever being introduced to worship, and then there was Tim, and that changed. And Tim and Tim, yeah. <laughs> As you can all see, Tim, it, he made it more of like a jam session, pretty much. It was no longer an audition once we loosened up and got started, so it was a lot of fun. Okay, good. So you had fun that night, and then we started moving you into worship in student ministry, and then here, right? Okay, so then um, two or three weeks ago, you went on caravan, and something really significant there happened. You gave yourself to Jesus. Talk about that moment. Stuart Hall was the speaker, and in that moment, like, every word that he was saying was how I felt, like the, the overbeating of the heart, or the, the lack of breathing, kind of, and, like, there was like a fire under my butt, and I just had to say Under your butt, there was yeah. a fire. <laughs> just say it, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. But, like, I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but I knew that I had to. You had to do it. You had to stand up and give yourself to Jesus. Wow. And you heard the story of the woman at the well. I just think about that. She had to give herself to Jesus, and you had to give yourself. So then a week passes, and then a week ago, last Sunday afternoon, you choose to be baptized. And we have a couple pictures. We have a slide of you. Uh, this is before you go under. And let's have the next slide. Uh, this is after you're out of the water. Can you, uh, what, what happened in that moment? What, why did you choose to be baptized? I chose to be baptized like I had always wanted to from the, I think it was like a year or two ago at Wildwood Hills Ranch. Yep. I just had that same overwhelming feeling and then I just made the decision that I wanted to get baptized. 
And then when the opportunity came, I sent Doug a message on Facebook, and I was like, would you please baptize me? Because <laughs> I had waited so long to do it. And then finally getting that chance, it influenced not only me, but other people in my family. Okay, super. Now, um, uh, yeah, other people in your family. So at the end of our baptism, baptizing the people who are uh, signed up to baptize, then Doug says, which is our tradition and practice, is there anyone here who would like to be baptized who hasn't signed up? And I have a couple pictures here. You're going to have to tell us who these people are. Who is this? That's my sister, Dominique. Yep. She's older. So she wasn't coming, planning to be baptized, but when she saw you be baptized, she said, I want to do this. And then who's this next person? That's my niece, her daughter. And she was actually the first one that got up after he said, is there anyone else that wanted to get baptized? And she came in. And as you can tell, they weren't prepared at all because they were in jeans. <laughs> okay. And then you had another family member or two, right? Can you Just name one those? Other. One My other. nephew, Robert, yeah. which is her son. And really... Truthfully, I didn't think that he knew what he was doing. I think he just wanted to get in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he answered all the questions. Okay. So um, this is one story of one life that's impacted by Jesus. And your heart has been open, and you've been willing to take next steps to follow. And we are proud of you and happy you're here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. One of the things that's really important to understand in a church like ours is it's not just people who are new to faith. It's not just people for the first time crossing a line of faith who need new encounters with Jesus. It's not just those people. It's people who have been following Jesus for 40 years who need a new touch of Jesus. I need a new touch of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. I came to Jesus when I was 14 years old in the top bunk of my bedroom 50 years ago. I first gave myself to him. But all along the way, I need new touches and new encounters. Some of you today sitting in the seats have had that this summer. You've had a new encounter. Some of you are hungry for a new encounter with Jesus. And um, in the Bible, Jesus also did this. And so um, new encounters with Jesus aren't just for those who are new to faith. It's for like all of us. And I want to point out to you one of these encounters, and it's the Apostle Peter. And I want you to think about what you know about Peter. Some of you know the Bible. Peter was in the fishing business with his family. And Jesus walks up to the lake and he says, hey, follow me. And Peter and some other disciples, the Bible says they immediately drop their nets and they follow Jesus. And they followed Jesus for three years. And at one point in a discussion, crucial conversation, Jesus says, hey, who do people out there say I am? And, and Peter says, hey, people are saying you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, puts his arm on Peter's shoulder and says, on you I'll build my church. Crucial conversation. One time, Jesus is going to let his godness break out on the top of a mountain. He invites Peter up there. And it's like called the transfiguration and like just the godness of Jesus, the white power of God just flows out of him and the place is like sparkling. And Peter says, hey, can I build a tent? Dumb thing to say. But it's one of those transforming moments. 
Peter says Jesus, he sees Jesus feed 5,000. He sees Jesus heal the blind, heal the lame. He has all of these things. And then push comes to shove. And the night when Jesus needs Peter the most, he says three times, I don't even know Jesus. Right? I think he needs another encounter with God. I think he needs another. Because you and I, we do that. We like fall short of who we want to be with Christ. And so what I want to do for you is show you one more encounter with Jesus that changes a life. And it's in John chapter 21. We have this on the slide, John chapter 21. I want you to listen to this encounter. What's happening is Peter and the guys are out fishing. And again, they haven't caught much. And Jesus yells out and says, hey, put the nets on the other side. And as soon as they put the net on the other side, a bunch of fish swim in there and it's like packed. And they say, whoa, that must have been Jesus on the beach. And Peter, because he has an open heart and he's ready to follow, he's the one who jumps out of the boat. He's the one who runs through the water and he goes up to the beach to be with Jesus first. Because he has a response for Jesus And then here's the encounter. They eat some fish, they fry some fish, they eat, and then Peter and Jesus are standing on the beach, and here's what Jesus says. When they had finished eating, this is John John 21, 5, when they had finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The word love there is agape, unconditional. Do you love me unconditionally? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And what does Jesus say first time? Feed my sheep. What does that mean? That means I have something important for you to do. I have a purpose for you, Peter. I haven't given up on you, Peter. Just because you denied me, that doesn't matter. I want you on my team. Again, second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, the word is agape. Uh, Love, uh, unconditional. He answers, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Second time. Same message. Third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The word is different in the Greek. Philio. Are you my friend? Do you love me as a friend? Do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Peter was a longtime follower of Jesus. Peter had great moments and weak moments. And here's Jesus having a crucial conversation, a crucial experience that will change the total direction of the rest of Peter's life. You and I need encounters like this with Jesus. We do. It can happen in a summit. It can happen on a Sunday morning. It can happen in somebody's office. It can happen while you're out fly fishing. We need an encounter with Jesus that's so real that it changes us. It changes us. And then our lives change. And that's what Jesus was about in the Old Testament, and that's what he's about in the New Testament. And this still happens at Orchard. Last Sunday afternoon, this is just so cool. We got another picture from the baptism. I think we have another picture. Marsha Hansen has been following Jesus for years. For years! She's raised her family in Jesus. And all of a sudden, last Sunday, she said, I want to take another step. And she's old. Sorry, Marcia. <laughs> and yet she wants to be baptized. First one in the pools. Next slide. 
Norma Peters. Grandma, maybe even close to a great-grandma, I can't remember. And she says, I want a new touch of Jesus. And she says, I'm going to be the second one in that pool this year. Because I want an experience with Jesus where I give all that I know myself to all that I know of him. And so there are Sunday mornings where this can happen. There are special events like the summit. I think that's why 325 of our folks signed up for the summit. They were not just hoping to learn leadership. They were hoping to be touched and hear a message from God himself. And it's just a powerful thing. This is what Orchard's about. We've got lots of other stories. I'm going to give you one more story. Uh, this is Don Kegel, uh, Don's family. Jacob was baptized. Uh, they sit right here every Sunday morning. Right here they are, the four kids, Dan and Don. And we're going to show you a piece of their story today and then a longer piece of their story at the gathering. Take a look at this piece and think. Even in the midst of following Jesus, there are times we have to open our hearts and seek new strength from him. Okay. My name is Don Cagle, and I have uh, four boys. And I think most people at church probably know that because we put ourselves in the front row every week. We're the ones who pop up because we spill hot chocolate every week and have to go wipe it up, which you're welcome. That's why we don't sit in the sanctuary. Um, but my life is as busy as Sunday is. Um, it's, but I'm beginning to appreciate the busyness in my life because... If I had to sit still too long, I think the trials that I'm going through right now would be harder to deal with. And so I have uh, my own four little miracles that I think were given to me because of um, what I've been going through. I got diagnosed with stage four melanoma uh, last September. And uh, it was rather disappointing because the bump that I had initially found, I was told twice, was... uh, was something else with blood clot, harmless. But I had this perpetual nagging sensation that whatever that was didn't belong there, I wanted it out. And a week later, I got a call saying I had melanoma. And a week or two later, I found out it was not just melanoma, it was stage four melanoma. So that was really shocking. Um, my family history, I don't really know hardly anybody in my family that has cancer. I know friends and other people with cancer, but it was it was something completely blindsided. and. I'm, I'm not a sun worshiper, I'm pretty pasty most of the time, so this is kind of a shocker cancer to be saddled with, just completely unexpected. I couldn't be more fired up to have a 14 year old who's fired up. I mean, he's just, he could look at all this stuff going on with me and it could make him very angry. He's at that age where he could choose to be mad about what's going on with his mom. But he's not. He's It caused him to lean on him even more. And, you know, you're a teenager and you're in junior high and, you know, and you like to wear shirts that say God's not dead on them or whatever. And he brings his Bible to study hall. Not very many kids bring their Bible to study hall. And it's just, it couldn't make me more proud. And he was the one who had asked us about being baptized. I'm just so grateful that him as a teenager, he has Jesus. You know, I kind of knew Jesus, but I... I didn't talk to him. I didn't really ask for his help in junior high, high school. And so, I mean, I just couldn't be more proud and and just thankful for Orchard because you guys have a way, along with the chaos program, of just making kids. Well, number one, it just makes loving Jesus cool, which it should be. But just all that um, community and it's just so great to have your kids to have faith now and not have to have a bad thing happen where then they get on their knees and they pray for help or whatever number of things that sometimes finally make you get on your knees when life's too hard to stand. 
you know, and he's already on his knees and life isn't so bad. And I think that's great. It's, it's good. So as a church, we're sold out to helping people encounter Jesus. We're sold out to asking people to open their hearts and to follow Jesus. Whether in a hard time or a new time, that's who we are. That's where we are. I'd like to give a word of testimony. I just realized this a year ago. I was flying home from one of our mission trips. And Orchard has done this for me. Fifty years ago, in a bunk, I gave my heart to Christ. And Orchard, have I been here the last 30 years? Orchard Hill Church itself has helped me follow Jesus and feel Jesus and give myself to Jesus better. I sat in a racial reconciliation group that was a co-sponsor between us and Harvest Vineyard. And uh, I was so challenged and Jesus was so present in that group and it wouldn't have happened without Orchard. I've been to Mozambique twice, Haiti twice. It wouldn't have happened without Orchard. And my family who grew up, and they've been gone for 12, 15 years now, off serving Christ in other places, still watch our website. A year ago at the gathering, we taught a a message uh, together, all of us together. My son Jason was making a critical decision. He lived in Cedar Rapids. He watched the video, and God used it to help him make a critical decision in his life. Critical. When you give your money to Orchard, or you volunteer your time to Orchard, or you come and sit in the seats here and invite your friends and neighbors and co-workers to Orchard, you are joining us in the mission of helping people encounter Jesus. He changes this world, and he's in charge of the next world. I would just ask you, is there anything better to invest in than the church that encounters Jesus? There's a lot of things after your time, a lot of good things. I just say to you, Orchard Hill Church, when it's all said and done, we had a friend, 55 years old, went to bed Wednesday night, took off his glasses, laid them on the counter, went to bed just like always, Kevin Osborne, and he never woke up. What does Kevin think is important from his life right now? He put our sound system in. He served us as a volunteer so well. He knows what's important right now as he's in the arms of Jesus. I love the work of the church and I love that we can be a part of it. And Orchard, let's just keep going. Let's keep going. That's our vision. Helping people encounter Jesus, letting him change their lives. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, it's a privilege to read these stories about Jesus. It's a privilege to hear the story of Valda, of Dawn, of Jacob. It's a privilege to sing worship songs to you. It's a privilege to um, have fresh encounters with you that change and strengthen our lives. Father, we pray 
that you would uh, be very present in these next moments. And we pray that our hearts would be open to what you want to do. And Father, I pray that you would keep working through this church because we know you are the Lord and Savior and owner and CEO of this church. It was paid for with the blood of Jesus. And we know he's in charge. Help it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.